Hi there. Welcome to Everything Accordion, a podcast about the musical box known around the world as the accordion. My name is Gennady Rotaria, and I will be your host on the show. On this podcast, you will hear a bit about the instrument's history, the different types of instruments of its very extended family, stories from and about accordionists, stories about contemporary music and historical works of its repertoire, discussions with colleagues from all over the world, interviews with prominent musicians, and much more. On today's episode, we have another, yet another Finnish accordionist who I'm super happy to be able to talk to. He is a very active musician, performing as a soloist, but also with ensembles. He's also conducting, conducting symphony orchestras, not accordion orchestras. So this is a very important thing for us accordionists to note. And he's always very, very active, very busy. And I'm super happy that he found an hour of his time. I'm stealing an hour of his vacation time uh, for the podcast. So Janne, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for doing this. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm very happy to be here with you. I, I'm very fine, actually. I just had like some holidays and now I'm slowly going back to the, my my everyday routines and practicing and, and so on. Yeah, I'm super happy that the podcast kind of makes the, you know, the transition <laughs> to going back to practicing. Yeah, <laughs> but now it's again mm-hmm. playing and so on. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Jana, we met, I think, in 2014 when I was in Helsinki for my Erasmus yes. exchange yes. semester. Yeah. But, you know, I never asked you, how did you start playing the accordion? How did that happen? Like, did you choose it? Was it something that, you know, you were meant to play a different instrument? Yeah, well, it's somehow actually a little bit funny story. I, I was maybe three years old when I got the idea that I want to play accordion and it was really that I, I really want to play accordion and it was very important to me that I would get my own black accordion <laughs> like my my grandparents they had like these some kind of toy instruments or whatever which were green and red and so on but I, for me it was important it's a black and very serious and real instrument and my parents at the time they were not so happy about the idea and that my have something to do with the fact that they both are professional accordionists oh, okay. <laughs> in a local music school. So they somehow thought that, okay, do we need an accord- another accordionist in our family? And especially if they are already teaching at the local music school, who would teach me? Because they thought that they, they don't want to do it. And it's, it's not good for anyone if, if they start to teach their own son. But then after two years, when I was five years old, one another accordion teacher came to my my town Lappeenranta and then I got the permission to start playing accordion and that's how it all started. (laughs) Mm. It's funny because it's you know one of those cases in which like both parents are doing the same job and they don't want their kid to do the same job right because normally it would be like I don't know father plays violin and mom plays piano and they're like you ever play piano but you have to do music right and here it's like a completely different story (laughs) cool nice so you started okay three years old then five years old and what was your like studies uh journey like you you were at the music school and then you entered the 
Sibelius Academy, or how, how did that happen? Yeah, exactly. I was in the local music school in, in Lappeenranta until I was like 11, so six, seven years, depends how you count. And then I somehow got the idea that I, I really want to travel to Helsinki for lessons because it felt very cool to be able to have lessons in, in Helsinki, which is bigger town than Lappeenranta. And then I applied for the junior academy, like the youth department of the Sibelius Academy, and I got in and I started there when I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very good thing that the Sibelius Academy has this junior academy that kind of prepares you transitioning right to the higher education. Yes, I, I think it's in, in many aspects, it's like super important. Like, of course, you get very good teaching, but that's maybe even not the biggest thing because there are good teachers all around Finland and all around Europe and world but then you get like to know all these other youngsters who are very passionate about music and you find out that okay I'm not like the only one who thinks it's super cool to practice many hours a day but you find people who would think it's even cooler to practice like 12 hours per day and like you find this whole new world mm -hmm. and you know already your, your future like colleagues like many of my my closest friends or my closest musician friends today i have met in the junior academy back in the day mm -hmm. At least yeah yeah no it's also like creating this network of you know like future collaborations and uh, being colleagues okay. yeah it's very important to start also at an early age because you know you, you never know what what's going to happen in the future maybe somebody becomes a whatever, you know, a music director at Berliner Philharmonie, and you're like, you're, you know them, you know, and this, exactly. this is all very important. And when, like, did you know immediately when you, you know, decided you wanted a black accordion, but you want to be an accordionist, like, as a career choice, or was it something that came afterwards? It came, like, maybe, like, Approximately, yeah, like just before when I started at the Sibelius Academy or when I got the idea that I want to study at the Junior Academy, I somehow had already went crazy about accordion and about music. Like, yeah, I say that I went crazy about music. And before that, I was just like playing for fun and sometimes like not playing. <laughs> mm -hmm. It wasn't so fun, maybe. Or like I was just like normal, normal young boy who was studying according at the music school but then I don't know I I went to some concerts I heard some CDs but quasi by accident and then it somehow hit me that wow this is a very cool instrument and like music is very cool and and so on and then then it was like full on mm -hmm. so it's about discovering like the potentialities and the thousands of ways in which you can actually do music right and also to hear to hear you talk about the um, these fond memories that you have of actually being in the um, junior academy you know meeting all of these people i think mm -hmm. that that was also like motivation to kind of start and go on towards uh, yeah, being totally. a professional musician and so you you got a degree from uh, sibelius academy and then but in parallel i remember you were also studying conducting so how how did you because i if i remember correctly you were kind of supposed at the Sibelius Academy thing to have a second instrument or something like that. I remember Ma Mati was playing, I think, percussions 
battery was playing saxophone and you were playing the viola at the time. Yes, I was. <laughs> and yeah, well, I, I remember you, I asked you why the viola and you're like, because it's very easy to be good. <laughs> playing. <laughs> oh, I was young and stupid. <laughs> um, I started to study conducting at the, at the junior academy as, as well. The legendary conducting professor, Jorma Panola, who is the professor of of many, many, many great conductors, Esa-Pekka Salonen and everybody. He started this new like conducting class for people at the junior academy and I, I studied there. And then I did it like together with, with accordion in the junior academy. And then also I, I continued in when I was studying like at the university level at the Sibelius Academy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and if I'm not mistaken, you also graduated in conducting from Würzburg, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Like I was doing it at the Sibelius Academy as a like second subject or how you call it. And because it wasn't possible to do two things as a main subject at the same time. Uh, at the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Forbidden at, at the time. I think it still is in Finland for some weird reason. And then I graduated from Sibelius Academy in 2017 with accordion masters. And then I thought that, okay, now I want to like really also focus in, in conducting. And I had found this professor who, is, who was teaching in Würzburg, Ari Rasilainen, a Finnish conductor. We really hit it off as a teacher and as a student. And I thought that I want to do it there. And also like at the same time, have this Finnish Scandinavian conducting school combined with the German opera tradition, like Kapellmeister, and and that mm-hmm. kind of, I thought that this is a good good combination to have. Yeah, I think you saw a very very good opportunity, and you you know you just took it because why not? Yeah, exactly. That's that, that was what I was I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> I, I thought that, okay, I want to also study accordion because I, I found the accordion class in Würzburg also very good and interesting. So I thought that, okay, I can I can do the Meister class at Postgrad. Yeah, definitely. That. It's also for the listeners who don't know in Würzburg, Stefan Husong is teaching in Würzburg. So I think it's like a win-win-win situation, right? Because you had like what you wanted, the Finnish school of conducting the German environment in which you could actually practice the art of conducting and also like, you know, having lots of orchestras that are doing all with all the time interesting projects and have Husong who taught you at the concert examen level. I think that's like a, it's a jackpot, you know, situation. So it's- yes, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was a hell of a lot to, of work to do. Like I was, I was really, working very very hard at the time but it, it was very good and i'm very happy that i did it mm-hmm. cool so when you when you graduated then it was 2019 right you did like two years or in Würzburg. yes i did the conducting was two years until 2019 and then because of covid my accordion studies went a bit longer and i graduated actually now in march 21 and how do you see your like, how, how do you prioritize, if you can say it that way, you know, the different um, aspects of your career? Because conducting, 
is something that you know um, many classically trained musicians would go maybe only in conducting right and dedicate their time to that but you're also someone who dedicates a lot of time to the accordion actually and is doing projects all the time with ensembles you released a recording you did the premiere of a concerto by Caleviajo recently so you know you're all also very active as a performer how do you see this two seemingly different aspects of being a musician, how do you integrate them? Yes, that's a question that I have been thinking myself quite a lot. And I, I think the answer is like the common thing in the both, both areas is that you are a musician. And when you have the basic principles, how to prepare music, how to practice music, how to perform music and how to interpret music, then it's actually you you get so much like like benefits from the boat. Like uh, I often say that because of my conducting studies, I can read accordion scores much better. Like I I feel that now after my conducting studies, I understand them much much better. I can really like very fast look at them and I can understand. Okay this phrase is going there and, and so on. Like I have learned that kind of things. And also the same thing in conducting. I find that I'm very, or I don't know if I'm like very competent, but I feel very at home with like contemporary and new music in the conducting because I have done it so much with accordion. So personally, I feel that that's like something where I'm good at. Yeah, it's also because, you know, our repertoire is very young, so it's obvious that we're kind of delving into contemporary languages and sounds and techniques. And for maybe for someone who has been trained like a traditional instrument like the violin, you know, it has like a centuries old traditions. Mm -hmm perhaps approaching a piece written after 1960s is not as easy as playing Beethoven, you know? So it's also very important that the conductor is competent, knows what to look for and not just say, because I, unfortunately I've heard sometimes from conductors said something like, oh, the effect is important, right? And you're like, yeah. well, no, the height of the tone is also important and the bowling <laughs> is important and, yeah. you know, well, what we're doing with the rhythm, it's not only about the effects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like being competent in that field, I think that kind of shows that you understand what you're dealing with and brings another level of quality in the work. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like in everyday routines, of course, if I have like some big accordion thing coming up, then can be that I don't study scores for some weeks and then I only practice accordion and then vice versa when I have some bigger conducting thing then I only study scores. Mm -hmm. Okay so it's kind of like balancing between priorities and goals like seeing what comes up next and then you rearrange rebalance the um, yeah the time that you dedicate to to the accordion <laughs> and the conducting. Mm -hmm. It's like same with, with if you if, if I only to like accordion things, I, I would have like some like different projects at this concert. And then after one week, I have to play this other program. Then of course you have to like balance everything. So with conducting, I have just one, one piece more to balance. 
And going back to the accordion, something that you did, which is super interesting, was the release of a recent portrait CD with music by Magnus Lindberg. Yeah. Right? You also transcribed some of the works. One is Jubilees, which was written, I think, originally it was for piano, then it was orchestrated, right? Yeah. And then when uh, you made this version for accordion. And Perhaps I, I never told you that, but you know, when I saw you playing the piece, I was like, when I was in Finland, I discovered the score for piano, right? And I started immediately to kind of arrange the piece myself. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and when I saw you, I was like, why wasn't I faster? I was so kind of jealous that you kind of, you know, brought the work to the end before, before <laughs> okay. me. Uh -huh, but no, no, there's nothing to be sorry about. You know, if I really wanted to do that, like I would definitely push more into it. But it was making all of those choices about what kind of techniques would you use? Where would you put the notes? I'm very interested if you could talk a little bit about the process of how you found and worked on the arrangement of the Jubilees. Yeah. And then if you could talk also about the entire... CD project. Yeah, well, maybe I, I should go back to 2013 when I met Magnus for the first time and we were actually on a conducting masterclass together as a students. And we became like friends then and then I was after some years I was playing Je Dance to him and then we started to discuss about some possible future projects and then this piece came up and well then i started to do the version of the jubilees for accordion and i was i, I studied very carefully the orchestral score and the piano score and i tried to find solutions that would be for accordion like that i wouldn't have only the piano score and try to arrange that rather than find similarities between the piano score and the orchestral score and things that are different and then find the best possible solution for accordion. And we were also with Magnus, we were cooperating quite a lot with that. that always when I had some question, he always had very good answers and, and so on. So it wasn't, I, I can't say that it was only my my work, but like he was very much involved as mm -hmm. well, helped a lot with uh, some very tricky, tricky places where, where I couldn't find like, where like, for example, if there was some place where I, I thought that, okay, this would be a good solution, but actually this has nothing to do with the piano version or with the orchestra version, then I, I called or contacted Magnus and then often he came up with the same solution, but now it was his idea. So it was like, wrote by the composer mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah but it's very interesting you know like I actually didn't know before but he had like the orchestral version I just saw the piano one and I think it's also very important when you transcribe a work right it's also like seeing the if you know that there's an orchestral version going and seeing which instruments the composer is using to highlight maybe some passage or whatever because on the piano of course you can have different timbres that you can make with your fingers and the pressure on the keys 
but somehow the accordion is different, right? It's, it's kind of like an orchestra. So with all the registration and everything, it makes more sense to perhaps look first at the orchestral score yeah. and then look at the piano score. So that's the thing for the listeners. It's, this is an interesting and important tip. So if you know, like go to the, if there's an orchestral version, go to that first and then kind of compare and see see how this works. So you integrated in the CD the Jubilees, Jodansh, and then you also transcribed another work with cello. Yes, we did the Dos, dos Coyotes for accordion and cello, which was yeah, made quite with the same principle as the, as the accordion Jubilees. Uh, that was uh, at, at the time I already had the idea of making making a CD and I was talking again with Magnus that okay we need something more and then he came up with this idea that this was also a piece that had a long history it's originally for chorus and then he has made from this version that I think nobody has premiered he made a chamber orchestra version called Coyote Blues Mm-hmm. And from that version, he made a version for piano and cello. So again, it was like oh, okay. a similar situation that there was already existing versions, and we could like just combine them and bring the best best of, out of them. So in that sense, I with the bo- both pieces, I I feel and felt that they are not so much transcriptions as just the new versions of the pieces, since they are already. More, mm-hmm. more versions that that he has made and now we made like in cooperation more like the the sad thing is that he's he's a great composer who likes accordion and would like to do much more but he's very very busy because he's so so great <laughs> and popular and high demand yeah no he's all the time he's very performed so like the fact that he actually managed to work with you and you know pull the CD off and make actually create a sort of new repertoire for the yeah. instrument. Yeah. Where the listeners can hear the CD? Is it on Spotify? Is it on Apple? Yes, it's in all all streaming platforms. And then you can also like buy the physical copy from I think from every like Amazon and and so on. It's from by by Neos Music, a German label. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the listeners will find the links to to the CD and to also Yanis' website, so you can check out what what other interesting projects he's doing, and also the recordings, and to stay in the loop and to read the news about Yanis' ever evolving and busy activity. Uh, <laughs> so cool. So this is one project that you did, and um, another thing that you did recently was. Caleviajo's concerto, right? Yeah. Was it a accordion and orchestra concerto or was it accordion and another instrument? I don't remember. Uh, it was accordion and string orchestra. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, solo concerto. Mm-hmm. And how did this collaboration come about? Yes. Well, the premiere was like two weeks ago, so it's very, very fresh. And this, I, I met Kalevi <laughs> at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Like all of the, you know, the most important collaborations start at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> so let's be just straight honest. Yeah, 
I, I met him at the bar and I, I went to talk to him about his music and so on. And then uh, we came up with this idea of making this Sonata Concertante, which is actually it is, uh, he made like Concertante version of his first accordion sonata, which is like this rather famous piece for accordion, which is like ultra mega difficult. difficult. Yeah. Like I remember I, I saw the score, it was very impressive how he, you know, uh, was trying to fit inside the, an entire symphony orchestra <laughs> inside the accordion. Yes, exactly. And we started to speak about that. And then, yeah, I, I had the idea that, that maybe he could make something more because he had made already a version for two accordions, which is still like ultra difficult. And yeah, then he made like this Corsetante version for accordion and string orchestra. And is uh, it as difficult the accordion part, or did he take out some? Still, like it's still super okay. I would say I don't like to say that some piece is difficult, but this one is so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like in inverse the definition of difficulty. It's the first sonata by Caligiaro. <laughs> so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, like it doesn't have like these super big jumps and like super like big creeps and so on, but it still has like all the other other stuff. So I would say now that it's like this normal very difficult piece. If like the solo version is something that you have to focus many many years, this is like you need only. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was a great success. It's very nice work. You can hear it actually. Still, there is like like stream link for free, I can, I can send it to you and maybe you can share it because yeah. it's very good work and I would like that all the accordions would, would listen to it and maybe maybe play it themselves. And one great thing is that it's for string orchestra, but it's without DVs, which means that you can also play it with very small orchestra or just with string quintet. So ah, okay, cool. Fine. Yeah, so yeah. you could also make a chamber music yeah. work out of it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, Janne, what's advice would you give a young accordionist setting out in the you know professional world today from your experience like everything that you have been doing everything that you're doing right now like if you were to meet a 15 year old Yane who is at the junior academy still kind of you know dreaming about making it into this professional world of accordion playing what what would your advice be mm, well I would say to all 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 young accordionists and all accordionists, <laughs> maybe all, or all musicians that like, what would be important? Like listening to music, I think that's like super important. That you go to concerts, you listen a lot, to, a lot of music and you know the repertoire, you know the accordion repertoire, which I think it's like must for every accordionist, that's like the basic level. But then in addition to that, you should like really like all the operas and and string quartets, orchestras, and so on. Just go to concerts and hear a lot of good music. I think that's like the biggest thing uh, as a music, like like musical advice. And of course, mm -hmm. but I think like like many people are doing that. Many people are like skipping concerts and practicing. Maybe sometimes it's good to practice two hour, hours less and go to a concert. Yeah, I think, would you say that, you know, this is one of the, schools of actually becoming a better musician going and hearing and absorbing analyzing thinking also trying to understand what you can learn from 
an orchestral performance because I think many times the problem is, you know, with not, not only with accordionists, but with musicians in general, they only go kind of to listen to their own instrument concerts, right? So accordionists go to accordionists, pianists go to pianists, hopefully not to comment on how the performance was or how the accordionist played or, you know, whoever. But I think it's useful also to hear the other instruments. So as an accordionist, you would go to listen to a trio, a classical trio, and there's really plenty to learn there. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like all, all genres of music, all genres inside classical music and, and so on. I think it's like I- I- extremely important. It's, and it's a lot of fun to go to a symphony orchestra concert or a string quartet or whatever. And maybe you don't learn like something that, okay, now I heard this and now I, I can do this thing with accordion, but you learn so much like, like passive things also. Mm-hmm. It's as you were saying, like when you did your conducting degree and studied conducting, you immediately decompose and see how the, the things work, right? So it's probably the same when you go and listen and hear. In some unconscious way, you're still going to kind of absorb stuff, right? And then when you try it out, something remains there and it will be there when you're practicing or playing or performing. Yeah, so, exactly. You get like this this sense of different styles. Maybe you have never played, I don't know, like some uh, waltzes from Vienna, but you have heard them so many times that you immediately know that, okay, it's some, something like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a very good advice. I think, especially in the era where we have like tons of music available online, yeah it's also very easy to get lost and say, you know what, no, this is too much. And actually maybe choosing and going now that it's possible, <laughs> now that everything is open, to go to a live concert, enjoy these concerts, yeah. right? So only if you live in some place where you don't have concerts in a radius of like 300 kilometers from you, then listening to online concerts is allowed. So listeners, head on to, the, to your local concert hall, see what's on, and get the ticket and go and listen to some great music because it's important, useful, and also make you make connections, right? Like you go and meet people. As you were saying, like I know that in Finland, in Helsinki, there's this famous bar where all of the musicians go after the concerts, right? And it's... I don't remember who told me that, but it's the bar. Why is it the bar for musicians? Because there's no music. It's only yeah. silence. So you can talk, you know. So it's finally like you played the concert and now you can actually be in silence or whatever, like socialize. Cool. So Yana, what's what's up next for you? What do I have next? Uh, actually, next week I will play one children opera at one festival. There's like accordion and three singers. Mm-hmm. Is it in Finland or somewhere in, else? In, in Finland. Finland. Okay. In Eastern Finland. So mm-hmm. that's the very next thing. And then in the autumn, I will have some very nice things, both in conducting and in accordion. I have new duo with the violinist Minna Pensola, who is violinist in the metaphor string quartet. So by, the t- by the time this episode will be out, be sure to check out the website of Jana because we'll the episode will come out in early September. So 
definitely go and see what he's doing. He's also very often in Germany, right? Because you're playing with Der Gelbe Klang Ensemble. Yes, I'm, quite often. I'm happy that I'm still regularly doing projects in Germany. So if you are in Germany, please come and say hi. <laughs> well, same with you if you're in Austria or, yeah. you know, like this kind of area. Yeah, so exactly. if, if you drop by near Munich, just drop me a message and yeah. we'll see if I'll manage. Because in Austria, I don't live that far away from Munich, but we'll see how the public transportation will work in September. Because it's, uh, it's still everything very suspended. We'll, we'll see how, you know. Yeah. But yeah, how, how were you? Because I remember you told me that you were fed up with, you know, Corona and like the entire situation. How are you keeping motivated and fit? that time luckily i had like some projects the whole time like not too many but still like there was always like at least one thing to look into and practice for and focus but yes it has been a long year or year and a half already the very mm -hmm. first like spring was maybe also a good time to just slow down and have really a pause from from the instrument and music and after that, it has been like, like roller coaster. Like sometimes you can play concerts and you are almost like living a normal life, and then suddenly, like, like that, then it all, everything is like over and again with all the limitations and so on. So it's, it depends of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, true, true. I mean, until I think I played my last concert last year in September. And then everything was postponed or cancelled. Yeah. And then I had the first concert in duo with my pianist on the 30th of May. It was also very shaky. You know, you were always ready for the fact that it might get suspended or, you know, cancelled. And after that, like, so much work and projects dropped. You know, it's not to brag, but it's just like after one year of actually not doing that much, except for maybe some streamed concerts and practicing your own stuff, having three hours of new music dropping on your head to learn in like two or three weeks. Like that's, that, that, that's quite a challenge because, you know, like what, what I found with difficult with uh, going back to playing live concerts was the stamina. Yeah. Because when you keep on playing and working, it's normal, but you know, you go, for 60 minutes straight without even breaking a sweat or you know whatever yeah. it's not very difficult right but then after not performing for months you go on stage and like half an hour like is it over oh no wait i, I still have to go like another 40 minutes or whatever right yeah it was the same with like with the first like real rehearsals i was after 40 minutes i was already like okay can we have a pause <laughs> coffee break coffee coffee <laughs> <laughs> True, true. And it's also very, yeah, it's important also to kind of not jump into, you know, having like rehearsals for three hours straight because it's, it, it's like being an athlete, right? Musicians are kind of like athletes. You need to get back into the shape if yeah. you want to actually resist and survive and do all everything without being too stressed. And as, as you were saying before, we started recording, it's... Uh, it's very, it's very important also to know when to have a break, even if it's for like one day per week or maybe one week every two or three months. So completely like, I don't know, 
close your instrument somewhere or give it to someone and you know not not having it nearby yeah exactly i think we musicians have a lot to learn from athletes really we we do somehow very similar work but they take much better care better care of themselves than we do yeah and we also have people that follow them right we have like the coaches the doctors so we're keeping all the time um close a close eye on their performance level and how they feel and so on and many times for us musicians it's just we need to pull through something even if it's hurting even if it's you know very the end result has to be there but unfortunately sometimes it just you know it goes into also into injuries or you know not being able to to do stuff because you're simply too stressed and then the body shuts down and says, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to take a break. You, you do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Is there anything you would like to plug in? Some orchestra, some project, some recording coming up? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Very actually, good. We did this one recording with exactly with the Gelbe Klang, this ensemble with Michal Quels chamber music and it, it, it's already published the physical CD but I think by the time this will come out there will be also in Spotify and so on. There are three big pieces for accordion is a very important part. Mm -hmm. so, is it music which composer? Michal Quell. Oh he is okay was he also conducting or? No it's it's like chamber music. Oh, okay. One duo, one trio and one quintet for accordion. Mm -hmm. Very, very good music and like with challenging accordion parts since mm -hmm. I, I find personally that somehow it's sometimes it's a bit frustrating to play chamber music and just play long tones when everybody else is doing a lot of stuff yeah but i think after some time you learn to appreciate the long notes <laughs> and you know not being able like i i am playing in this festival in, in esslingen the podium yeah. festival and um there's this piece which is sort of 12 tone suite from yeah. an opera but it has lots of brazilian and south american rhythms and for some reason the accordion is playing all the time uh, yeah, yeah. super complicated it's like 35 minutes of maybe having like five bars at a time every 10 pages so you know, like when I arrive to hold some chords, I'm like, ah, oh, finally, <laughs> like I can I can re-energize here yeah, a little of course, bit. Of course. <laughs> I know I might sound lazy, but it's you know, at one point you're like, okay, you know, I I, I need like yeah. to breathe a little bit, and then and I know very well what you mean. Yeah, I mean, you played Caleviajo, so you definitely know know what I mean. <laughs> Cool, Yanni, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank yeah. you very much for your time. And I hope we can meet soon, hopefully somewhere near Munich to grab a beer. Yes, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thanks again and take care. Hope to see you yeah. soon. Yeah. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Tune in in two weeks' time for another episode where I will be talking to some other guests from the accordion world. Some of you have asked, how can you support the podcast? There are two options. The first one is Patreon. 
So if you click on the link in the description of the episode, it will take you to Patreon where you can donate a certain amount to either become a cool, awesome or VIP level patron or you can head on to my website genadierotare.com community. In the community section, you will find the patrons and the supporters page. This way you will support the podcast and the creation of the episodes. Thank you very much for listening and see you soon.